What's your dream? What's your goal? What's your motivation? What's important to you? What's your passion? What can you do to change the world? This is What's Involved. Conversations with thought leaders and change makers from around the world. Hear stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate people like you to live your life, find your passion, and live your dream. Together, we can all bring positive change to our world. Now, here's your host, David Watts. And once again, it is What's Involved. And... Uh, Special guests abound these days, but one of my favorite guests, and, and she spoke to us a little while ago, uh, I'm sure you'll recall as, as soon as uh, I introduce her, um, but she's now written another book, which is even more interesting and fascinating than the first book. Who is she? She is Nikki Robotham. Hello, Nikki. How are you? Hi, David. Fantastic in yourself. I am good. I'm, 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 I'm kind of trying to maintain this uh, a sort of... A, a, a place of calm amidst a sea of chaos at the moment, but uh, you know, I don't think that's going to change in a in a hurry. So, Nikki, before we dive into the new book, um, I'd just like you to give us a bit of a refresher on uh, who Nikki is and just a bit of your journey, because the last time we spoke about your journey, which led you to writing of the first script, which is uh, Seven Steps to Finding Flow, flip the script on stress. That was the first one. And that was, that was a fascinating book, um, a book that had a lot of value in it. Uh, and now you've gotten your, your next one out, which is called Embrace Your Elegant Power, Your Path to Success Through Ease. Oh, Nikki, 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 is that true? Can we do that? Is it possible? It's absolutely possible. But I think we have to really create that space of self-ownership and that's really where my books have come from is it's my journey, my lived experience. And what I've realized in conversation with people is that we need to share it because for too long, I think we've kept all of this hidden um, during our own little journeys and, and suffering in silence and in shame. Um, and that was really where the first book around survival, moving out of that stressed out state, the stories that we tell ourselves about stress. And the second book is the level up to shine. And how we start to tune back in, start to trust ourselves again, because I'm seeing so many people who no longer trust themselves and really starting to value our self-worth. When we do that, we come to any situation, relationship, conversation, work scenario from a place of boundaries, self-worth and self-love. And that for me is really where things start to shift. And it sounds easy, but it's not. It's always a journey. <laughs> Tell me about it. But just let, let's go back because the thing that fascinated me about the first book was that um, when we talked about your journey, you, you come from like you're a very numbers oriented girl and, and very corporate and everything. And suddenly um, it's almost as though something happened and, and the first book came about and it's continuing to happen in the second book. So tell me about your journey initially. What led you to writing books? Well, pre-COVID, if you'd asked me if I was going to write one book, I would have laughed, um, let alone a second book. But what I've really realized is, as I said earlier, we have to share um, what we're going through. And a lot of people have found benefit in, in me sharing. And so I knew that I needed to do more. But to your point, I'm a reformed accountant, MBA in competitive economics, and for over 20 years, and I still am a leader within the corporate space, 
But I know that we need to bring a balance back, a balance between the doing and the being. Because for too long, I think we've sat in, in that sort of paradigm of force and control and making things happen. But with my first book, you know, if you'd spoken to me five years ago, I used to think that I could make anything happen by sheer force of will. But the only thing that bent was myself. And when you, you're confronted with that scenario where you have to heal, where you have to do the work to own the story that you're telling yourself about stress and whether or not it really serves you, you start to find a new way. And so my first book is that survival component. The second book, as I said, is the level up to shine. But it really got born out of me learning to trust myself again and, and valuing, saying that I was important enough for myself to be able to put in this work to really own the energy that I was showing up with, to own my path, rather than allowing all of these external authorities, whether it be, you know, people who are standing on stages, bosses, leaders, people we've given so much of our power to in the past, and actually saying, actually, I think that I'm the only one who actually knows best for me in a very grounded and very considered way. You know, not running off and doing all kinds of weird things. But I think we really need to redefine that dynamic of power versus force. Because for too long, we've been sitting in a dynamic of force, which is a really low-grade energy that that's almost offensive. It requires a, a, a reaction. Whereas power is magnetic. It's grounded within ourselves. And, and when I started to tune into that level of energy for myself, and I love the quote by Anne Lamott, where she says, a lighthouse doesn't run all over the island looking for boats to save. It just stands there shining. Mm. It's, that, it's that surety in ourselves, knowing that we've got everything that we need, that we're worthy, um, and that we can trust ourselves in whatever situation comes. But for so long, we haven't been in that situation. And, and that's been my the journey of the last year. And so I, I knew that, you know, I really wanted to help make this path easier for other people by bringing some perspectives forward to help people. And I think I think it's wonderful. I, I love what you say about the the, the the sort of the power and the force because um, a lot of times, and this is a story that we get we, we've been told for a lot of our lives is. You know, the, the whole big boys don't cry, put on your big girl panties. Um, you know, you've got to be rough and tough and you've got to be ruthless if you want to succeed. And it, it is, it's exhausting. And, and they're trying to force yourself. It's the old, you know, square pig in a round hole kind of thing. And so often we end up, I mean, it's happened to me before, I mean, I ended up, you know, I climbed to the top of um, the, the sort of sector that I was in. And then when I got to the top, I had a look around and went, oh, crap, the ladder's leaning against the wrong building. Um, <laughs> and, and that was because I was doing things that I thought people expected of me. What, and, and I wanted to impress other people. Um, it's much easier when you don't give a damn about that. Yeah. And, and that's also why I've put an entire chapter in the book around unshackling from the shoulds. For me, those are all of those expectations, that conditioning, whether it's perceived or real, that we've created for ourselves or that we've ascribed to for so long. Those pictures we've, you know, created in our heads from a young age that, you know, get validated as we move through life. And then to your point, I was exactly the same thing, chasing a title. I often say that, 
you know, I should put my hand up and say, hello, my, na- my name is Nikki Robossum and I'm a reformed workaholic. And I used to chase gold stars of validation outside of myself. I thought that if I made everyone else happy, I would become happy. If I accumulated qualifications, if I achieved, if I delivered. And to your point, you get there and you go, actually, most of this aren't, aren't the things that bring me joy. They aren't the things that create impact within the world and, and the things that light me up. And if the last three years have taught us anything, it's that we need to redefine success on our own terms. I think that that is, I think that's a great place for us to to just take a quick break there um, because I want to move into this because the title of, of the book also, it grabbed my attention straight away. I mean, it's embrace your elegant power, you know, your path to success through ease. And, and I want to get into what is elegant power and how it can be done with ease. My special guest is Nikki Robotham, and uh, she's the author of uh, Embrace Your Elegant Power. Uh, we'll be back with Nikki in just a bit. This is What's Involved. It's so good to have you along with us. This is What's Involved. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. More next. And we're back with Nikki Robotham. We're talking about her latest book, Embrace Your Elegant Power, Your Path to Success Through Ease. So, Nikki, you, you go through it. And once again, this is not a book. I don't know how you managed to do this. I really don't because this is not a book that, that was just, you know, thrown together. I mean, it's incredibly well thought out. It's incredibly well uh, presented. And it literally takes you through these various steps but let's start at the beginning. What, did, what would you define elegant power as? Well, you know, to your point, I actually wrote a full definition in the book because I knew this was going to be a big question that came through. And I also knew a lot of people that sit in a more masculine energy would be like, elegance, masculine? It can absolutely be the same thing because for too long, I think we've associated elegance with feminine energy, but it really, it comes back to that idea of being sure in our sense of self-worth, grounded in that and knowing that we have the most unique and incredible gifts to bring to our lives, trusting ourselves and trusting that we are the inner authority in our own lives because I think for too long, we've given that power to others. We've thought that we could, you know, make everyone else happy before we make ourselves happy. And I think for me, it's really about that sense of calm, centered sureness that we're enough right now. We don't need to do more to strive to become, to, you know, achieve and qualify to become enough. We're enough right now. And it's that element of thoughtful simplicity that comes through to say, just this, just me, I'm enough right now. Mm. As you say, those kind of things are, are sound incredibly easy, but uh, can be incredibly difficult. Now, maybe just to throw back to, to, to the previous book as well, because one of the things that I know you're a big fan of um, is journaling. Now, mm. journaling for me, um, it's, it's actually, it kind of helped me to get out of my own way. And I'm, and I'm not saying by any stretch of the imagination, I've now found the yellow brick road and I'm on my way to Oz. Um, but it has definitely helped me and, and kind of, because you, 
you're so right. You know, this this whole my self worth for for so many years was was tied up to um, what I would call my my badges of honor. You know. Um, yeah. workaholic. Um, I had to have the best of everything, the best clothes, the best, this, the best car. Um, and yet at the end of the day, I was as miserable as sin. Mm. So it takes a while and journaling helped me with that. And, and I started off doing the whole gratitude thing. And in the beginning I was like, there's nothing I can be grateful for. Everything sucks. Um, and it, and it takes, Effort is this part of this path to discovering your elegant power? Absolutely, because I think what I love about journaling, and that's why I've included the journal prompts at the end of each chapter, is such a pivotal tool to create awareness. And awareness is that first step around self-ownership. Because to your point, healing is not a once-off destination, you're done, you've achieved it. Doing this work to center back in is a continual layering of a process. And the more we do it, the easier it becomes. And what I love about the journaling is it brings us back to our center, to our awareness quickly. Because it's amazing how when you write it down and you stare at those words, you can't run away from them. And Mm. I think it's powerful to actually then sit and have a look at what you've written and say, does this still serve me? Do these things I was going after, these stories that I told myself, do they really still serve me? And you know, as we, we, we've we all known for a long time, our thoughts are incredibly powerful. The words we use are incredibly powerful. There's a quote by Bruce Lee that I love, and he talks about the fact that words create power within ourselves. They're almost like spells. And he, he jokes that that's why it's called spelling. But it really does create a narrative for us. And so journaling and that awareness can help us change those stories, can help us start just by small steps daily. Even if it's, thank you for great coffee this morning, or thank you that I had a good night's sleep. You know, we, we have to just start to tune back in and center back in and, and use good words that create that, that sense of abundance within our lives rather than fear and scarcity. Because David, too, I think, I think to your point, for so long we've lived in that grand mentality of push and force and, and and really making things happen. But what we have to understand within our bodies, and David Hawkins does a lot of incredible work around this, is those are low frequency energies. They don't actually top up our energy battery. And they actually create dis-ease within our lives. Whereas the higher frequency energies, which create a lot more energy for us, they top up that energy battery. And that is things like joy and excitement um, and gratitude and abundance. That creates a sense of ease within our lives. And, you know, I often say to people, when you look at your energy, give yourself a score. Is it 40%? Is it 80%? Without judgment, just kindness for yourself and saying, actually, am I doing more that's draining that energy battery within my body or more that's topping me up? And unfortunately, I think a lot of people don't pay attention to that energy balance until that red flash of warning light is going off. And by then, we're still doing the things that drain our energy battery that create that dis-ease or disease within our lives. Um, and, And we haven't really created that ownership because there's always someone that we blame, someone outside of ourselves, you know, this boss, that colleague, this situation, rather than centering back in and saying, actually, what can I change for myself today? And often that's saying that I'm enough right now. And it takes a while for some people to, to believe it, but I've seen some really radical shifts. It's 
especially at my book launch in April down in the Cape, um, I saw a lot of people really starting to actually just, you know, put their hand on their heart and step out of some of the labels that they created for themselves for so long and saying, actually, I'm not going to live by that label anymore. I'm going to recreate it for myself. And there was a woman at 38 who said I'd always been called ADHD and I believed I was scattered. I believed that I didn't have a centered purpose and I was less worthy as a result. Um, and she literally just went, actually, all of these things are beautiful. They're all my unique gifts. But I always thought I had to look like that picture that everyone had painted as the perfect person. And if I didn't have the ability to public speak and I wasn't confident and I wasn't good with numbers, you know, I wasn't going to be good enough. And it's amazing how those stories have existed for so many people for so long. Mm. Well, I mean, when, when you talk about, you know, the, the, the ADHD and, and all of those things, I mean, I'm right there. That's me. Uh, throwing a little bit of dyslexia just for fun. And yeah, I mean, and I always used to have this, this kind of thing that I was wrong. I was different. I was broken. Um, and I had to just by sheer force of will make, uh, make my way in this world. And, and eventually, aside from being exhausted, I was like, you know what? This is me. My brain works differently. Okay. I squirrel like a mad person all the time. I mean, I can sit in front of my computer and I'm going to, can decide, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. 10 minutes later, I'm looking at the mating habits of groundhogs, for example, but (laughs) It's to be able to sort of realize that and acknowledge that and go, okay, there we go. Let's, uh, let's see what we can do here. But also once you start doing what you, what you love, what you meant to do, those distractions become less. I found that my brain, particularly if I'm doing something that I feel obliged to do, then my brain is like a drunken monkey on crack. Um, but if it's something I enjoy, I can focus. No problem. Yeah. But I think we've been, there's been a, a narrative that, that, you know, that's wrong to focus on the things that you love, but that's often where the slipstream comes and where our unique gifts show up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, just, we, we're going to go, go into another break very soon, but just before then, um, and one of the things that, that you've mentioned about the lower frequency energies and the higher frequency, the thing that amazes me is before, let's take, I don't know, 10 years ago, you and I had had this discussion. Number one, we probably wouldn't have had it because although we might both have thought similar things, we were just way too scared to say that in the mainstream. Otherwise, we'd be, we'd be labeled as seriously loopy. Um, but I equate, when you talk low frequencies and, and high frequencies, I equate that to like going inside and going, how does this feel to me? Is this something that makes me feel good? Is this something that makes me feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that? Or is this something that you get that horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach and, oh, Lord, I have to go back to that office today. They they are similar things, aren't they? I mean, I'm just using another analogy. They are exactly the same thing. And and it is how it feels within your body because you think about the energy of shame versus the energy of joy. The one is dense, the other is expansive. And that's we feel it within our bodies. Every single cell feels that. Can you imagine if we're sitting there with that narrative of shame and fear and hate and force? Um, Our bodies feel that. And no wonder our nervous systems suffer as a result because there's not a sense of safety. 
Whereas when we start to move into those more expensive energies, where we are lit up about gratitude and we believe that there is enough for everyone, rather than having to push the person down next to us in order to grab everything for ourselves, which is very much a modern day paradigm. Well, uh, I'm going to say a legacy paradigm because I don't believe it's a paradigm that serves us going forward. Um, our bodies sense that. And one creates that energy of I'm safe, I'm protected, I'm okay, and I'm enough. And the other one says, oh, I'm not enough. I've still got to struggle and force. And I think that's for me where we go off track a lot um, from a health perspective, because our, our bodies are part of our, our, our sort of team. We conscious in our emotions and our intellect. We have to ground into our bodies because otherwise it's kind of like a, a tripod with or a stool with one leg missing. It's wobbly and it's not grounded and sure. Absolutely. My guest is Nikki Robotham. We're talking about her latest book, Embrace Your Elegant Power. Uh, this is What's Involved. Back with more from Nikki in just a bit. We'll be right back with more What's Involved. David would love to hear from you. To leave a voice message, visit whatsinvolved.com and click drop me a voice note. And we're back. It's great to have you along with us. Uh, my guest, Nikki Robotham, we're talking about uh, Embrace Your Elegant Power. Now, we touched on this earlier, Nikki. You, you talked about the, the, the shoulds. Um, and I know for me, for many years, and it still comes up, even till today, you know, um, where there's this, I should be like this. I should do this. I should feel this. Um, you know, and you have these expectations of what you should be like and be doing. Um, where do the shoulds come from and where should they go? <laughs> well, to your point, one of the first things I started with the team of mine is I said to them, pay, pay attention to how many times you say should during a day. And I, most people are surprised by how insidious it actually is. It's crept into so many aspects and facets of our lives. But for me, those shoulds started from a very young age. It's the stories we told, the expectations that often we perceive society to have of us. And some people keep them alive through the questions and the stories that they tell us. The problem is because we're at that young, impressionable age, we take it on. We feel like, okay, that's going to be the path. I'm going to learn from the people who, who know better. But often, you know, you can feel that sort of like little angst inside yourself going, but that's not what I really love. That's not what I really want to do. My father wanted to be a game ranger and his parents forced him to get a sensible qualification. And so, you know, he became an accountant and, you know, and I think that's, that's had a massive impact on him during his life because he didn't get to do the things that lit him up. Um, and it really started to grind away at that energy but he's from a very different generation where to your point earlier, you know, that ability to say, actually, that's not what brings me joy. Didn't really have space. It didn't really, it couldn't, it didn't have space to land with people. And so I do think that we, we need to create awareness. And I often say to people, just catch those stories. Think about what that picture of success looks like to yourself and actually ask yourself if you still want it. If that really resonates is what success looks like. Um, I just recently sold my mini countryman and bought a Suzuki Jimny because I decided I needed less car and I wanted something that could go anywhere, do anything, would 
energetically liberate capital in my life because I didn't need to tie up all of that money in a more expensive car um, with all of these bells and whistles that I actually didn't use. And, you know, I got into the car and he said to me, here are your automatic windows. Here's how you work the, you know, Bluetooth for the phone. And here's Apple CarPlay. And I went, golden. That's all I need. I don't need anything more. But to your point, we often accumulate because we think that old paradigm of, you know, more is better. But I often say that when we overcomplicate things in our lives, whether it be through opinions, stuff, qualifications, expectations, we actually create anxiety. But where we start to look at simplicity, where we tune back into what really serves us and say, just this is enough, that creates that serenity within our lives. And I think we need more of that. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, it's, 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 I mean, I've said this oftentimes, you know, my, I used to judge my success by the, the sort of um, how, how expensive my toys were. Uh, and, you know, once you, once you kind of move past that and you can, you can still appreciate the finer things. Mm. I mean, I went from driving an X3 BMW with all the bells and whistles and I thought I was just it. Um, I now drive a 2004 Mazda 3. <laughs> and you know what? I love that little car. Gets me from A to B. It's been paid for a long time ago, and it doesn't cost me a fortune to service. And I'm happy. I don't need, I don't need the stress of going, oh, Lord, there's like an eight or 9,000 rand that's going to you know, get taken off uh, my account at the end of the month uh, so that I can pay for the privilege of driving this car. So it's, it's, it's fascinating for me, the things that we do. But Nikki, in the book, like and we discussed this, you've got these journal prompts all the way along. But my question to you is with what you're doing, you come from the corporate world, you still play in that space a little bit. But with what you're doing, I can see a bunch of corporate people going, oh, troublemaker. Because what, what happens if everybody around us starts to, to wake up and decide they want to live a life of ease? Um, everybody's going to resign. That's not necessarily the case, or is it? No, that's not what I'm saying at all. I often say to people, it doesn't mean life's going to be easy. We still want to do the things that light us up, but I think we have to align more to the things that light us up and where our gifts lie. And, you know, that's why my sense is, I know there's still more for me to do um, within the corporate space, because I think if we, instead of forcing people to do things that they don't want to do. And there are always admin tasks that have to get done. I'm not, you know, I'm sort of putting that out there, but we have to allow more freedom in terms of how people's paths show up. Because when they step into that slipstream where their gifts just are allowed to emerge, it's amazing how much more we deliver. It's more creative, more innovative, and it's better. We've got more energy for ourselves. And, and I think that's why boundaries are so important. And we need boundaries in the corporate space because for too long we said yes, but we actually want to say no. And then we start to erode that energy within ourselves, that self-ownership, because we're not actually standing in our power and being our own authority first. And so for me, I'm saying to people that you can still stay within the corporate space, but really ask if what you're chasing right now is the right thing for you. Because often you hit that resistance and that friction when it isn't the right path for you because you're forcing, because you think, oh, I was always told I had to get this title or achieve this. There's other people who that's maybe more of a, you know, an energetic fit for. 
And we, we create space for all of us because I think we have to step out of that, what I refer to in the book as ringing, that judgment and comparison where we ladder people within our lives and say that, oh, that person's above me, this person is below me. We're all equal and have our own gifts to bring um, to our work and our lives. And we need to stop that judgment and comparison where we think that someone is better or less than ourselves because that actually just takes our energy with it. But Absolutely. And just, just, just to yeah. go back, though, to your point about, you know, somebody's got to do admin. I was um, fortunate enough to do the, a little while ago, I interviewed um, a bunch of people um, and we, we recorded them um, and they work for an investment company. And the, the lady that I got to talk to was, was the, the sort of admin manager. And I said to her, why? Why on earth would you want to be <laughs> An admin manager. And she goes, I absolutely love it. I love the details. I love the figures. I love organizing. I love systems. And every word she said was causing me to have shivers of horror up and down my spine because that is just not me. And yet she does. And this is the thing about this company. And I, and I noticed that. Um, and they, they're a fairly large investment company. But every one of the team that I spoke to seemed to be the right person in the right place at the right time, because yeah. it didn't matter who I chatted to. They were all like, cause it's family and cause I love what I do. And, yeah. you know, and often with what happens with me when the camera stops rolling, then the truth comes out. Uh, and in this instance, there was nothing like that. That was genuinely what they did. And I thought to myself, well done to the CEOs and CFOs. They're well done because They've taken the time out to make sure that everybody is a fit for the job that they're working in. And I think that's something that corporates can learn from as well. Yeah. And to your point, we have to allow people the space to say hell yes to the opportunities that they, they want to go after and they will give you their best energy in as opposed to forcing someone into something that is a hell no for them. It's that, and I often say to people, you know, I know when it's the right path because I get this like full body. Yes. Every like cell in my body is going, yes, let me at that. I want to do that. And that's where like time doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to be boundary and make sure I keep my balance right because I've learned that lesson. But that's where we bring the magic and the creativity. And we need to start allowing people to align themselves to those hell yeses for themselves rather than being, no, I think you're this kind of person. So I'm going to put you into this kind of role. And, and I believe you should be that person for us. Let it evolve. Let that person find their sweet spot. Um, and, and that will make you know, some organizations with very strict hierarchies and boxes that everyone needs to fit into, you know, go, oh, but I do think we need to say we can still have these organizational structures, but look at them differently and uh, allow space for people to really um, own their gifts and how they come to the table. Absolutely. Um, Nikki, when we come back, we're going to wrap it up. Um, I want to talk a little bit about shifting paradigms when, when we come back and then wrap it up. I've, I've said this before about Nikki and about her, her books now, but uh, go out and get it. Just if for nothing else, you know, you can, you can read through it and go, okay, just give yourself a chance with those journal prompts. I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it can and will be life-changing. This is what's involved. My special guest is Nikki Robotham, and uh, we're talking about her book, Embrace Your Elegant Power, Back in just a bit to wrap it up. 
Hey, like what you're hearing? Share the podcast with your family and friends and spread the word. This is what's involved. And we're back with Nikki Robot and wrapping it up. So talk, talk to me about paradigms, Nikki, because you've got, uh, it's kind of, it's not quite halfway in the book, halfway-ish. Um, there's, there's this list that you've got of, of paradigms, and I think people should actually print that out large and, and stick it somewhere where they'll see it very often. Um, talk to me a little bit about those paradigms and, and what the shift is. And, and funny that you mentioned that because I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, but you left this paradigm out. And I said to them, I had to eventually stop. And I had to choose the ones that had been the most impactful for me because I think the real essence around, and the chapter's called Reframe for New Perspectives, is that it is around perspectives. And it's really to start people on a path to reframing the perspectives and, and, you know, the conditioning that they hold for themselves in their life, because a lot of them are born out of those stories, those shoulds, that conditioning. And I mentioned the equal rather than ringing. But I think, you know, for me, a lot of us get stuck in that, that you know, that perspective of, you know, my truth is the truth. And then we become really obstinate about it and defend that high ground with everything we've got. But I think what we really have to understand is the difference between a truth and the truth. And very often, I mean, we've seen this in science, when new discoveries happen, you know, what we perceive to be the truth can shift. People look at things based on their background, you know, their context and bring, you know, their perspective to a situation. And I think, you know, it's really around understanding that everyone who comes into a room could have a different perspective. And and that's why for me, you know, I, I really wanted to bring these through and really saying it's things like, you know, stillness rather than scattered, joy rather than obligation, caring rather than demanding, forgive rather than fighting, love rather than ego. And, you know, it's really around bringing a narrative to say to people, look at these, consider whether or not they still serve you. This is not a bunch of absolutisms. And that's why I'm very deliberate. I don't say you know, boundaries versus barriers, I'm very clear that it's rather than, because I'm offering a perspective that says, consider yours, because it's it's something we have to continually do within our lives as we continue to, you know, step out of those expectations, the, the shroud of societal conditioning that we've had for so long. Um, and I do think it all has an energy that underpins it. And that's why I love the, the boundaries versus barriers. One feels if you get it right, boundaries can feel like just a very gentle garden gate where we can consider both you and I together and find the best outcome for ourselves rather than barriers, which is what I see a lot of people energetically doing, which feels like an electric fence because we haven't protected and owned that space for ourselves. You know, we bring an energy of, you know, that, that sort of electric energy, which says don't step into my space. Rosin, I think we can find a compromise for both of us that still serves both you and I. And so yeah. about perspective for me. You know, it's, it's amazing that you say that because one of the things that, that I've discovered on, on my journey is that a lot of the ways of being that I, that I had came from a place of fear and uh, a place from a fear of not being good enough, et cetera, et cetera. So I would, I would fight you tooth and nail for my opinion. 
Um, and, you know, fighting was, was the way to go. And once you start to become aware of these things and you notice it in your body, there's that tension, that constant state of like hypervigilance and it's exhausting. And once you go and you get to a place where you can go, is it worth it? You know, do I, do I want to be effective or do I want to be right? Yeah. And, and, and I think you. Sorry, Nikki, carry on. Yeah, I was just going to say, that's where I think a lot of people have misconstrued the concept of power because that sits in that power over rather than power for the greatest good. Because if we all consider that we're equal and we all have something special to bring to the table wherever we are on this journey called life, you know, then we create room for other people's perspectives. But when we assume that it's only our way or the highway, um, we bring that, that lower grade forceful type of energy of power over another. Um, you know, superiority, judgment, comparison. And it hasn't served us to a point you feel it in your body. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I used to, I used to use my six foot four height um, to intimidate and to want to overpower uh, and, and, and to kind of, you know, have this aura of don't mess with David. And that all be, was because of fear, because I was like, what happens if they find out I'm actually a big, soft, gentle teddy bear, then what? Um, and I, I got to tell you, since the teddy bear came to play, life's a lot easier, a lot easier. <laughs> and I'm sure a lot more fun. And a lot more fun. Absolutely. Nikki, the book, the book, the book, the book. Um, it, the thing is, in my opinion, you don't need to have read uh, the first one. Um, that seven steps to find in flow, although I would recommend you to read it because it does help you set a nice, a nice uh, framework for the second book. But where is the book available? It's available in all good bookstores in South Africa. It's on Amazon, Kindle, all of the audiobook platforms, Take a Lot Loot. Um, and there's also copies at a discounted price on my website, nikkirobotham.com. I wanted to talk about that that website uh, in, in just a bit. You say it's available in audio as well. Did, did, uh, did you yes. narrate it yourself? This time I did. Um, I got brave enough and decided I had to own my own story. And the previous book was actually narrated by a professional narrator, but it's in the plans to re-record that in my own voice because I do uh, think yes. our voice brings our power. I think so. Good. I was hoping, I was hoping for that answer. Um, Nikki, you, you also, do you still work with people, with individuals? I mean, if somebody is wanting to find out the rest of the bits and pieces that you do, uh, just give us a brief overview of what you're doing now as well in terms of can people come to you for guidance, for help, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. There are consults that I do. Um, I can do them either around flow plans or stepping into your elegant power. But a lot of people have really approached me around transitioning. Um, and it's an interesting perspective to step out of the old way, because I think a lot of people struggle with that the most. Most. So I've really also said to people, you can just book a consult with me, email me, my, my email's on the website, and we can talk about what works for someone. Because I'm a big believer that each of us have our own individual paths. And so I don't believe that it has to fit into to one of those components. So I also do bespoke consults as well for whatever someone is struggling with and or, or needs assistance on. Um, and I've also got um, a range of digital courses um, and we're busy in the works developing more based on, based on, 
based on both books because I do believe, you know, that idea of a self-paced um, course that people can access as and when suits them really works. All right. And then I'm, 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 I'm just uh, thinking back towards the end of the book. You, you're a big lover of music, of, of journaling, et cetera, et cetera. And you, you've got your, your playlist here. Um, I think at some stage, maybe we should have a chat about this playlist. I think it's a bit skewed uh, towards the female artists. Uh, but i got to say, powerful, powerful music. And music speaks to me. Um, I've got my own little motivational playlist that I that I that I use. Um, but uh, Nightbird, Nightbird, when that came out, was one of the most impactful songs I've ever ever heard. Um, but uh, she's got some Imagine Dragons in there, so that's okay. My song from Imagine Dragons would be Thunder. Um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> I love that, Nikki. What, so. You know that I do this when, I, when I'm finishing up with my guests. Um, you've now you're building this 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 new career, this new way of being. Your second book has now been published. What's up? What's in the works for Nikki Robotham? A third book. <laughs> Are you scared to say that out loud? Because you know I'm going to ask for it. <laughs> It's still in its in its thought process, but it's I, I know it needs to come. Um, I'm doing a lot more speaking, a lot more working with men and women and communities that really need support. Um, and I and I know because I got asked the question on live TV in a live interview, you know, the most motivational speakers and coaches come from in a very, you know, privileged background. And I had to own the fact, I know that I've, I've come from a privileged background, but I'm not here to tell someone that you do these five things in my book and you'll be successful. I'm asking people to tune back into their inner knowing and knowing that they're enough now and trusting themselves rather than, you know, ascribing to everyone else's paths. And so I know that there's so much more work to do there in terms of service within this country um, around how we start to get people to help own that for themselves, because I believe that's empowering. So there's the book, there's, you know, the service work and the speaking, um, and there, there's lots in the works. It's, it's hard for me to put it into to a short answer for you. <laughs> I'm glad that there can't be a short answer. I, that makes me happy. Uh, Nikki, if anybody wants to get hold of you for any reason, whether it is to find out about your book, get your book at a discounted price, um, book you for, for a, a speaking engagement. Um, the best place to go is NikkiRobotham.com. Correct. Fantastic. That's spelt N-I-C-K-Y-R-O-W-B-O-T-H-A-M.com. I'll also put the links uh, in the uh, podcast version of this as well, so that uh, if you are listening via podcast or if you're listening live, uh, just check out the podcast and you'll be able to uh, get uh, Nikki's uh, email, or not email, but her uh, website address there. You see, I'm running out of words for a Tuesday morning. Nikki, thank you so much once again for taking the time out, having a chat with us. Uh, we wish you all the best and uh, I'm looking forward to that third book. Thanks, David. It's been a pleasure. There we go. My special guest, Nikki Robotham, wrapping it up. Uh, for this edition of What's Involved to each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening. 
Thanks for listening to What's Involved. We hope this episode inspires you to find your passion and live your dream. Don't forget to rate, review, and share the podcast. And to see what's happening, what's going on, and what's coming, follow What's Involved on Facebook and Twitter at What's Involved. Thanks again for listening.